Welcome back to Koinonia on Faith Talk, 1360 KPXQ. I'm Bob Brown, filling in for Tom Brown, and today we're speaking with Jerry Fultz from Computers in Ministries about the cloud and how the uh, cloud and the ver- these various new technological developments can be of assistance to some of our churches right here in Arizona. Jerry, what's um, the minimum size of a church or parachurch ministry that would make sense to be working with a company like you? Well, uh, we actually uh, partner with churches that are very small, and by very small, I mean you know a staff of five or sometimes even less, uh, and up to very large organizations, uh, international mission organizations with hundreds of employees. And so uh, there's, there's kind of a niche uh, in all in various places across different ministries. So uh, really, I guess I would say that there's nothing really too small or even probably too large for us to partner up with. The key is, what's your mission? I mean, this is the first thing that we'll always sit down with the ministry and try to discover is, what is your mission? How do you try to accomplish your mission? And we try to map IT to that in a way that makes sense for your organization. Well, we, I, I've heard you say in our conversations that you map IT to mission. What, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Well, God's called every organization to fulfill a slice of the Great Commission. At least that's the way that we look at things. That's what we believe and we recognize that no two ministries operate uh, in the exact same way. No two ministries have the exact same calling. Uh, there may be similarities. I mean, for, as a mission organization, you may be called to reach certain people groups, maybe in the Middle East or in South America or wherever, and so they're similar uh, in terms of, of function, if you will. But the way that ministries carry out those things often uh, differ drastically. Uh, from ministry to ministry. And so what we find is that while the tools may be similar uh, and some of the functions may be similar, ministries do things in a very different way. Uh, And so we don't assume that one size fits all. Uh, We really want to sit down and figure out what is it that you're trying to accomplish? How can IT help you best to get there? How can we help you avoid paying some dumb taxes along the way with that? So if I would, would your classic client be like me with my five-year-old server, I'm getting notices that it's time to update my software, <laughs> it's time to update my uh, shark protector or whatever else I've got in that, that thing. Right. And so now I'm trying right. to sit there and figure out if I should spend another $25,000 to buy a new server or whether I should re- be talking to somebody whose staff will provide those services for me for just mm-hmm. a, a one a predictable payment. Right. So, I mean, what you just described is kind of the ideal kind of a cloud scenario. And let me uh, kind of address this question this way. I mean, who who is the cloud, you know, really for? Who can take advantage of it right now? And what we're finding is that, first of all, uh, small ministries uh, that have neglected their IT environment in many cases for years and years, right, haven't updated things, and like you mentioned, are getting notices that, the whole thing's going to crash and burn. Uh, they're experiencing downtime and all of that. Just whether it's church or an organization, it's really cash-strapped. It just hasn't invested in their IT at all. In this particular case, procrastination may have uh, been your friend uh, because in the old days you would have just gone out and, as you just mentioned, 
invested big bucks into new infrastructure, new server, new software, and all the maintenance it takes to support all of that. Whereas the cloud, for many ministries now, represents an opportunity to leapfrog all of that and just avoid paying all of that altogether and instead putting things out in, into a cloud environment that, uh, again, your prices, uh, your costs are much more predictable, much more level, uh, and in most cases, substantially lower. So a small ministry that's kind of neglected things for a long time uh, are actually kind of a good candidate for a cloud migration. Uh, larger ministries that are trying to just streamline their business processes. In other words, they've got hundreds or thousands of employees, missionaries on the field. They're all using their own particular homegrown brand of communication platform, whether it's Gmail or Office or, you know, a hundred other things that are out there. They find that those things don't talk very well together. And so uh, bringing everything into a uniform kind of a cloud environment really helps to streamline their processes. So it's really for large ministries, for small ministries, and then the third class is just pretty much any ministry with a donor. If you rely on donors of any type, you know that donor experience now is king, and especially with the millennials and emerging generations, uh, that whole donor experience is key. And if you're relying on the old approach towards uh, donors and not really working to create kind of a quality environment, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many ministries that work with Bob. Donors are just leaving, and they're going somewhere else that can make it easy for them to give. Hmm. So those are the three categories, small ministries, large ministries, and anybody with a donor. So, Jerry, let's go back to my example. I think I really did pay $20,000 for my last server, and it's probably been about uh-huh. five five years ago. I'm uh, Right. If I, do I have to have the Church of Bob in order to sign up with you, or can, <laughs> do you help normal people, yeah. too? Well, our, our charter, the way we're organized, is that we do work specifically with 501c3 ministries. And so uh, we uh, don't work necessarily with individuals, uh, but if you're a 501c3, uh, we're all in. Okay. Yes. Well, so let's use let's use my numbers just as a comparison. So sure. rather than, than uh, my 501c3, uh, which is designed to send pigs to Pakistan, let's say, uh, mm-hmm. we have, instead of $25,000 we're going to invest, we'll, do we have to pay some kind of upfront fee and then so much per month? And what kind of return on investment do we get? I mean, how, how do you analyze right. that? Yeah. And so typically, uh, and I've got several cases I can kind of cite here on the phone. I'll just maybe highlight a couple of them. Uh, so typically what you're faced with is, do I invest in my traditional infrastructure or do I make uh, an investment into the cloud? Uh, and so the trade-off there basically is, do I get rid of all my old hardware, my old software, and exchange for just an ongoing monthly fee? I mean, oftentimes that comes into form as this kind of what's commonly known as software as a service, uh, where in the old days you would pay, you know, an upfront fee to download uh, some software and then uh, maybe re-up that each year or over some periodic time. And then you still have to maintain all the servers and all the infrastructure that that's running on. Uh, that, that's kind of the old model. Now you can change that for the software as a service. And even the hardware as a service where, uh, you know, so much now of your of your data can just be stored uh, out, in, uh, <clears throat> out in the cloud. So if you look at it and getting, and getting rid of some of those things, I mean, that's the trade-off. 
get rid of the hardware, you get rid of uh, some of the old software paradigms, you push all it out in the cloud. And so what we're seeing really is, uh, and, and it's not really too difficult to calculate these kinds of returns on investment. And, I mean, real-world ones that we've done, uh, and we've done about 20 of them, uh, 20 cloud migrations in the last uh, two years or so. I mean, we're, we're seeing returns on investment in, you know, the area of 200, 300, even as high as 600% uh, by just migrating to the new environment. And then those are always associated with, like, a total cost of ownership, just your total savings over five years, and we typically see those running into the tens of thousands of dollars uh, pretty easily. So, which is basically it, it, it's becoming if yeah, I it's can, becoming very easy to make the financial case uh, I can, oh, to so, make a jump to the cloud. There's other issues uh, that you have to consider in total before you know you actually go that route. But the financial bottom line piece of it certainly uh, raises the eyebrows of your typical CFO at a mission organization or your business administrator at a church. Yes. For sure. sure. So talk to me about security. That That's what pops to my mind now. Sure. Right. Uh, so when we get in these conversations about security with ministries, uh, rightfully so, there's a lot of questions just about what's happening to your data that's living out in the cloud. And there's obviously a lot of headlines that are out there that talk about who can see your data and and there are various policies uh, between even various types of organizations that are that are out there, like Google, for example. Uh, they have a little bit more open policy uh, as opposed to maybe a Microsoft or an Amazon. You know, it just, it just kind of uh, depends on what uh, your chosen cloud application is. But you know, some of the big things that are really attractive about the cloud in terms of security and the way we like to talk about it with our churches and with our mission organizations is, you know, compare the cloud security to what you're doing now. And oftentimes what you're doing now is a homegrown thing uh, that really is far from being bulletproof. Uh, It's actually pretty easy to access just by rogue people that might even be walking through the facility. Uh, And so uh, oftentimes when you really look at what you've done on a homegrown basis versus what an Amazon cloud or a Microsoft cloud might represent, that employs, you know, thousands of engineers, hundreds of engineers that do nothing but data security. Uh, yeah, at the end of the day, you have to trust someone. I mean, th- there's no doubt about that. And you just have to kind of go through your analysis. But often, more and more, we're seeing that the cloud security, especially with all the encryption that's out there and all, uh, really does represent uh, maybe the safer play, uh, if you will, compared to the homegrown kind of uh, approach. So you're, uh, you're part of what, I guess, the role you perform is to help the individual church or ministry decide what level of security, what, uh, what type of security, yes. what type of service to go with. Yes, uh, yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think a key thing about us is that we're not a reseller uh, for anyone. Uh, we uh, work just specifically on behalf of the church or the mission organization or the school or uh, child adoption agency, whatever it might be. Uh, and our role is to come alongside, uh, again, map your IT to your mission, help you determine what's the appropriate approach in terms of security, 
in terms of all the shiny new bells and whistles that are out there, just all the things that play into your IT. What, what's going to make you operate most effectively and really help you accomplish uh, your mission, your part of the Great Commission? And so that's our role is to work specifically for you, not for one of the vendors that's out there. Well, that is kind of comforting. Well, Jerry, we'll, uh, we'll be back in a minute. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about some examples. Um, you're listening to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Bob Brown filling in for Tom Brown today. We're visiting with Jerry Fultz for Computer uh, Computers in Ministries, a group that provides cloud and other computer support services for a wide variety of church and parachurch ministries around the United States. And Jerry, we appreciate you being with us today, and we'll be back to visit here in just a couple of minutes. <music> 